Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we have the awesome Adam Ray. Welcome, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing great. We're doing great. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us. And uh, we look forward to diving into what we just found is a pretty busy household, six businesses, three kids, (laughs) and a cold to top it off. So anybody else out there? I'll do my best to keep keep my voice up for the whole whole podcast. Good. No pressure here at all. Not no, at all. you are crazy busy, but we want to know, how did you get started? How did you get started in this big thing called real estate? Oh, man. I tell the same joke every time, but it's actually a true story. I was a terrible kid and I got grounded once almost for a whole year. I think I was 15 and my pops was a pilot. He'd fly off to uh, fly planes for Southwest Airlines and he had this whole business uh, bookshelf. And he told me that if you start picking business books off of that bookshelf and writing book reports and we talk about them, then I'll take time off your sentence of being grounded. Oh. And uh, the fir- I think the first book I picked up was either a Russ Whitney book or, um, or it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But either way, it was kind of that ever since. So wow. went to school for it. When I got an entrepreneurship degree with a kind of a minor in um, real estate. And then my pops and I started something and we started buying a couple of houses uh, right before the last crash. And I jumped into a junior or as a junior partner into a office condo development out in Nashville, Tennessee, and that fell apart. And uh, so one of those houses that we bought got foreclosed on, um, long story, long process, but took a little bit to rebuild. And in 2011, I started uh, raising a little bit of money and some uh, private investors to put their credit on the line to start buying um, multi-unit properties. And so we did like little fourplexes. We have a fiveplex that I still own. Uh, But we started doing a couple of those and then ended up leveraging those into um, jumping into wholesaling and and, uh, flipping. And we've been at it almost, I guess, two and a half, three years. So crazy 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 so, so I, you, actually i i have one question for you jump too far so go, go. you actually seem to have taken a pretty awesome route but it's almost the opposite trajectory of what a lot of people are doing so so i i i guess walk us through this so a lot of people will, will dip their toe in with some wholesaling and then get going flipping and then mind shift or, or take that jump into you know you said condo developments or, or syndication projects or buying this where, where was it that you said this was the route and, and then where did the transition come to play? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'll eventually get back into the larger commercial stuff, especially multifamily. Um, I just love, I love housing. It's a real safe bet. Most people I know like to live inside, but, um, <laughs> yep. you know, depends but, where you are. So I right. guess that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Um, on the commercial side though, I, I, I didn't have the fundamentals down and I jumped in as a junior partner. So I wasn't the lead guy and I wasn't bringing in the most amount of money. So I, just to get started, I just looked around and said, not, not what, what do I want to do? And if I can't do my dream, then, then I won't, 
I won't do it. It's what can I do today? And what I was able to do is string together some a um, uh, hundred thousand bucks and a credit partner and go buy a fiveplex. So that's where I started, and it's been a progression ever since. And now we've got our hand in a couple of other things, but eventually we'll we'll probably take stuff on as it comes. But uh, we've tried to stay pretty focused just on the residential side because we're building up cash and we're building up our reserves and building up our portfolio and and doing different things. And when when we decide to make that shift after I launch the next business or something, um, then we'll we'll probably make that big jump into back into more of the commercial stuff. And and we've picked up some. We've got a couple of retail spaces um, through just the regular channels of focusing on residential. But yeah. Oh, That's what great. an amazing story! So I want to backtrack a little bit. You have you have a degree in real estate? Did I hear that right? No, I have an entrepreneurship degree, and then I studied. <laughs> um, I I studied real estate and finance. So. That is amazing. Yeah. So let's go. Let's kind of like follow that topic. What are besides studying? A real estate in school, and it sounds like your father was a fantastic mentor. What other, what other things did you learn? What other mentors did you have that helped you along the way? Yeah, I mean, there's always people that that are willing to take you under their wing, but you've got to find somebody who just doesn't blow a lot of smoke. You got to find somebody who actually. It's usually the guy sitting in the back of the room at an REI event who doesn't say much, but has you know. 600 houses right or something like that that they're not you know usually if they're not selling something they're not touting what they've done and uh and usually if they're not selling a product then that's the person i want to talk to because they're not coaching 100 or 200 people so there's there's some people locally here that have really helped a lot um and where are you i'm in colorado springs colorado so we cover we cover five counties in southern colorado so yeah. So I, I mean, I just think asking questions, being willing to make a fool of yourself and look stupid and not have it all together and try stuff and, and screw it up six, seven, <laughs> eight, ten, twenty 20 times. But and, it, uh, there's a huge learning mark there, right? Cause so many people just don't want to look stupid, but they never get off the bench and they never get in the game. And if you're going to go to these points, what is it? You're just, you're just not going to know at some point. And if you're not yeah. asking the questions, so yeah, that's awesome, man. Great for you. Yeah. So that that's I don't know that there's any secret there. Just there's lots of great people. You gotta put yourself in a situation to be helped and you gotta be doing something for somebody to wanna help you. So oh, that was kind that's of, a that's a great quote. You have to put yourself in a situation to be helped. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> <laughs> well let's fast forward to today and uh tell us uh, currently we'll 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 start of course because we we have six different ways we could go, but we'll focus on the wholesale and flipping. where is your focus and and what is kind of your business structure look like today? Sure. Yeah, we um so we are predominantly a wholesale team. Um we flip we'll flip we'll have flipped about ten houses this year. We'll probably do twelve next year. Um but I don't know that we'll We'll dive too deep into that. We've really been trying to get more efficient as a wholesale shop. So what we do is we we spend. I mean, do you want numbers? Do you want details? What do you want? Sure, give us <laughs> whatever, give us the whatever and direction details. you want to go. We're happy. To sure. Go. I mean, yeah. We so we spend about twenty thousand bucks a month right now uh, on direct marketing. We get leads coming in the door. We've got um, we've got a virtual assistant in the Philippines who 
helps us with the phones, um, books appointments, qualifies the lead. Uh, but then also our acquisitions manager um, is also taking phone calls as well. And so they actually are able to build rapport, answer, call people back. And the rule we have here is the weirder the time of the day <laughs> that somebody calls, the more motivated they usually are. So, um, so it, it, we, yeah, it's tough to keep regular office hours in this business mm -hmm. uh, for us just because we found that, I mean, we got this two weeks ago on a Saturday night at 9.30, um, we got a phone call that came in off a postcard and my acquisitions manager, um, she's pretty new. She started, but she, she's done a lot uh, of training and she's, she's, she's going to be a rock star. I think, um, call her back, call this guy back at like nine thirty-five at night. And 10 days later we assigned the contract and it's done. And it was a great deal. It was a $45,000 wholesale. So, um, wow. it's just, uh, yeah, you've got to be real on it, I think, from the wholesaling standpoint, because when somebody wants to sell and they call at a weird time, like there's a guy in town that I know of that's a wholesaler, and uh, he said the best deal he's ever done. He went out and met with six family members on Christmas Day, got the call on Christmas morning. Everybody was in town for Christmas. Not that I'm advocating that. <laughs> Balance is very, very important, but uh, as an adage, that, that tends to be true. So that's how that works. The flow comes in. Our acquisitions helps with the phones. We're about to bring on another acquisitions as well. We're going to go to two people. Um, and then I've got an office coordinator who also does uh, marketing placement and cold calling. And then we've got another... Um, we had a team of two people that were doing cold calling for us. Um, and we were getting some deals off of that. We had some turnover. And so we've got one person cold calling and then we're hiring another virtual assistant for cold calling as well. And then I run disposition. So I sell all of our deals right now um, and build buyers lists. And one thing that I've really loved recently is there's quite a few uh, wholesalers in town that, um, that we've built relationships with. And I heard from somebody else in Texas that they had done this. So I was like, you know, I'll give it a shot. Hey, do you want my buyer's list if I can have yours? Huh. <laughs> and so nice. we basically, we quit, almost quadrupled our buyer's list in about uh, six weeks just by trading with each other. And it's like, well, nobody can find deals right now. And it's not like there's not enough people out there to buy. Um, everybody wants to watch HGTV and be, you know, an investor. So, so it, it, it took some mental hurdles for me to overcome to feel like I was giving up some proprietary thing that I had. Um, but we traded it, and it's actually started to really pay off for us in the last little bit. So that's incredible. So you, I, you, you kind of answered my question because I was going to ask where you fit in the mix, but I, I'll backtrack to that because people will listen to this and say, "Wow, what, what a team you have!" But did you start with the team in mind, or did you, as you were growing into this, fill each of the positions and then realize what was missing and how you could plug those people in? Yeah, I mean, I was speaking at that conference that you, you and I, Peely, were at, mm -hmm. and. I mean, I'm, I'm talking a lot about what we're doing now, but nine months ago, I didn't have a team. <laughs> I mean, there you go. so I, it was just me and I did, you know, around a half a million bucks just by myself running around working literally 80, 85 hours a week, um, just putting out fires and trying to do everything that I could to, to keep it moving. And it was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Literally, my wife was like, we're making great money, but this sucks. We have to do something different. We've got to find a better way. So, yeah. So How did you is, find that better way? 
are by finding other people that are that have a better way, not trying to recreate the wheel and mm-hmm. bang my head against the wall. I'm I'm liter- I'm really not the smartest guy in the room in almost every room, including when my kids are in the room. Um, you know, <laughs> I I just there's a lot of people to learn from, and there's no. And this is how we run the team too. Is you know, uh, my idea is not the best idea. The best idea wins, like regardless. And so we collaborate on how to come up with solutions for things and and all of that. And that's the same uh, with trying to find a system that would work. So yeah, so we we tweaked. Um, it probably sounds familiar to some of the other people that you know um, that are in some of the same groups that we're in. Um, but we we tweak it our own way and and have our own kind of way of developing the team and and that so yeah nine months ago i had one person that quit and it was just me hmm. and and i was like okay i've got to i got to figure out a better way so yeah that is crazy okay everybody that's listening to this i mean hear what he's saying he adam was a one man show nine months ago doing it all on his own you can too and then you build a team you systemize everything out of your business and you kill it like Adam does. And Adam, you didn't actually share us how many wholesales you're, you're looking to do this year. Um, I think we'll hit somewhere around 75. Nice. That's crazy. That's great. Congratulations. Well, I'll put on top of that too. Sorry to cut you off. It was that, that, but you also, you didn't want to just sit there in vain and say, well, I'll figure it out myself. You just went out there and found better ways surrounding with other people. And that's a key point going back to your point of, you know, being at the RIA meetings, talking to other people, putting yourself out there, asking questions that, you know, people may think are dumb or whatever's the point, but you just, you got to ask to know. So that's great. Are you looking to take yourself out of the dispositions role, yes. or do you really enjoy that? Or yeah, no, I I really do enjoy that piece of it. I'm actually we're looking to um, to really become more efficient. I would like to. We're actually going to separate out our our wholesale and our flip side of our business and run them as separate businesses, completely separate. Um, so the the flip business uh, will buy deals from the wholesale company at cost plus whatever the commission would have been for our whole team um, for compensation purposes. Uh, But that way we can keep it separate. And then what I'm really going to focus on probably about six, seven months from now, once we really hammer that home is we're we're actually bringing on a project manager, which will be our sixth person. Seventh. Okay. How many people do we have? (laughs) Full time. What you do the math? You you heard the podcast. Uh, Rewind. Go back. Count them up. Let us know. Yep. Seven people, um, eight people. And so we've got some virtual assistants and some some on staff, but we're bringing on a project manager full time to manage our projects and really work on building that system over about a six to twelve month time frame next year. And uh, six months from now, what I really want to do is one of my favorite things to do is raise money. I love sitting with investors, raising money, talking to people about what their goals are, what rate of return they need to get, what their lifestyle goals are, how they want to build um, their investing plan and how we might be able to be a piece of that. And I take the same approach with sellers that I do with investors. It's like, you know, we might not be the best option for you, you know, uh, the better the deal on the money we can get, the more we'll use it, the the more expensive it is, the, the less we'll end up using it. But either way, I just want to be helpful and point you in the right direction. There's lots of options out there. There's people investing in multifamily, tree farms, coconut groves. There's, there's tons of, you know, there's tons of stuff. And I know a lot of people, so I, we take that approach. So next year, 
I'd like to step out of the dispositions completely. Um, we, I'm nervous that we don't have enough volume. I, I'm told that I'm crazy uh, to have a full-time dispositions person. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's just because I, I can do it pretty efficiently. But yeah, once we get to a certain spot where I feel comfortable stepping out of that, then I'll just transition into trying to raise money for the flip company full-time. So the quick question would be, well, where is that point where you do have enough volume? You got 75, 65, 70 deals going. At what point does it does it make sense? Yeah. So I, the thing is, uh, we, only a, probably a third of our deals do we blast out to our whole list. We have really, really, really great relationships with our buyers. Um, and we've got about 30 people that we, I just put in an auto dialer and I call them all every time, drop a message and let them know when we have a deal and uh, right. have, have such great relationships with them. Like Even if it's a maybe deal, I know I can still squeeze a little bit out of it. But usually somebody buys it within like ten hours. I mean, wow. we just don't have we just don't have an issue selling stuff when we find it. So it's not a lot of my time is spent leading the team, and then I also do dispositions. So that's my main functional role uh, within the team. But yeah, I I think somebody else. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. It's going to be a sales position. They're going to have to really figure out how to keep them and maintain those relationships and those kinds of things. So, yeah, That's great. I'm not sure. It's good good question. Right I'll call yeah. you and ask you. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> so, this position person. I was hoping you had the magic answer. So we're going to keep asking other people. So, so where you're at today, I, I, before we jump into the other, uh, we'll say entities that you have alongside with all your other businesses, what's something that you're working on? currently today that that's maybe maybe a struggle or, or, or a learning lesson that you're trying to improve on? Oh, man. Um, I'd say the team leadership stuff for sure, because I had two local cold callers. Um, but I, I don't know. I think we kind of ran them into the ground uh, on accident. We, not, not on purpose, but I don't know that we were paying as much as we should have. And then we also we're expecting a lot as far as results go. Um, and they were producing results, but, um, not with, uh, probably adequate compensation. I mean, we were paying what the normal cold caller hourly rate was, but when they were ended, ended up seeing what the contract amounts were, they felt like they could, they, they deserved more to participate in, um, in that net profit. And, Frankly, I agree with them. I just didn't really have the time and didn't really know until they both um, lodged complaints at the same time. One left. We had to restructure some stuff, and now we're working on rebuilding. So, I mean, really, to me, that's that's just another learning, like making progress, not trying to do it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, we brought some people on, taught them how to do stuff. They're calling. We're getting deals. It's working. Um but overall, is this sustainable long term? It might be sustainable for four months, uh, and so there's a lot of stuff that I'm just learning to grow into a leadership role, as opposed to, um, yeah, just run really fast and hope people run behind me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> gotta so start I somewhere though, right? So that's the, that's really the big thing that I'm I'm learning right now that I'm. I see the biggest area of hang up and holding back my business and our company uh, and our team is me and my ability to make, make leadership decisions, to coach people, to grow, um, to create a dynamic between people that has a really good culture. And it's not like I'm an idiot at it. I just, I, 
I, it's not something that I've really had to focus on. And so it's become, it's bubbled to the top as one of the very, very top priorities. So awesome. Great point. Yeah, Thank you. Great lesson for everybody. Starts yeah. at the top, right? Yeah. And honestly, you know, I do struggle with that. There's so much to do and there's so much to get done. Sometimes it's hard to take a deep breath and actually grow myself a little bit to try and make sure I'm leading the team well. Well, let's touch on that because that's a good point. So uh, people are always so quick that they want to get away from their corporate job because they, 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 they get this freedom with the business, but then you get into your own business and you're, you're now <laughs> working 100 hours a week and say, well, what, what happened? You know, freedom. <laughs> what happened here? And so you have a family, uh, you have a wife, uh, three small kids. How, how are you trying to do that, that work-life balance? And, and I know great, creating a team has definitely helped with that, but mm-hmm. how has that been transitioning? Yeah, so we we kind of have you ever heard of a book called The Rest Run Cycle? No, I haven't. It's I, it's a it's a great book that basically discusses how you can get more done when you're running if you rest hard as well um, at different points. So my wife and I try and make some pretty good communication boundaries of like this is the goal, this is what I'm we're trying to build, this is what we're trying to do, whether it's onboarding a new person or or um, trying out this new marketing piece and I've just got to hammer it out for a week and a half or two weeks. Um, And then we kind of set a a hard deadline on that where I'm focused on that. We're working as a team. Um, She kind of is runs uh, is, is kind of the, she keeps the family moving and I keep the business moving, but we're, we're both in each other's world. Um, we're both, both in each world and, uh, and we have constant communication about how to balance that. And then we set a hard deadline of like, okay, this is going to be really intense for 10 days. This is my goal. When I hit that, I'm going to turn back the dial and we're going to rest a little bit. I'm going to take two days and we're going to do, you know, we're going to go to an indoor water park and hang out. And then we're going to go back to a normal, um, schedule where I'm home for dinner. Um, and then if something else pops up, then, you know, we'll make that decision together. But that's been really, really helpful um, to try and make that rest run cycle decision. So I think it, the guy wrote the book based on a principle of the Iditarod uh, race where the at first they were, and I'm going to butcher this story, but it's like they, at first the dogs were, they were trying to run the dogs all the time. And um, then they started breeding the dogs for running and 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 this race was really competitive, so they just tried to make sure that these dogs were had the best stamina. So they ran them constantly until they finally ended up with a breed of dog that would run till it died. It would just would not stop running, but it would die. And then a new racer came in, I think late 70s, early 80s, and he basically did like they're going to run hard for two hours, rest for an hour, run for two hours, rest for an hour, run for two hours. And I think the average time was somewhere around. I don't, he cut the time in half, essentially, um, by doing that. So that's the premise of the story of the book. Um, and then how does that apply to our work life and our home life and our ability to be productive and, and stay focused and things like that. So that's the first thing. Um, and then the second thing is the big thing for us as a family is me being home for dinner. 
Um, I'm usually on my computer at eight o'clock and work till about one or two in the morning for one of the businesses we have and, and uh, doing something or exploring something or learning something new to, to add a new piece to one of our businesses or something like that. But being home five, five thirty, picking up dinner or meeting the family and, uh, and us have dinner. And then I go all the way through bedtime with the kids and, uh, and that's my time. Um, and you know, if I can do that four five, six days a week, and then I take Sundays off completely. Um, that's very important to me as well. Um, cause I will work all day, every day, if, if, if given the opportunity, um, <laughs> I, know, I know where you're at. Yes. Well, that's, yeah, that's very important to me. I, that's very important to my wife and I. Um, and so I, I, yeah, I kind of have to be forced to take some time off and, and Sundays are the day. So it's actually really helped. I find I'm more productive, I'm more focused and I'm a much better version of myself if I can take a little more time off consistently. So That's amazing value add right there. Just yeah. the schedule that you have set with your wife, just communication that you have set with your wife. I mean, we get the question a lot. I actually got the question twice this week on how do we do it with children? And my answer was communicate. That's the only way you can do it, right? That's it. Yep. That's it. yep. Communicate. And I love and the way you guys communicate. Good book. Yeah, it, it's not it's not perfect, but it works for us. So <laughs> well, as long as it works. It's never perfect. Right? <laughs> you know, we're yeah. learning. We're all trying. We're learning. So where do you take this in five years? Where 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 is your where is your aim? Where's your focus? Yeah, the um so I'm trying to really make sure that our flip this flip side of our business is very efficient. Um and we're really putting our lenders in a really low risk situation, just having gone through the other crash and realize, you know, <laughs> markets can go down. And it took me a while to dig out of that. Um, I actually took out a loan to pay back some of the initial money that I lost in one through the, the original crash. And I think I paid that off. Like everybody got their money back. Uh, but I, I paid that off to, a year ago, two years ago. Wow. Um, you know, so just trying to make sure that we're in a really good position. So on our the flip side of our business, we try and make sure that our numbers are extraordinarily conservative. We know what box it fits in. We know our exit strategy. And we've really got it to a T. Because anytime you own the asset and it goes down, that you're in a risky situation. So, yeah. um, so we're trying to make sure that we have the nuts and bolts there. Um, and then we'd like to expand potentially um, to another kind of mid to small size market. Um, we're only 700,000 people and, uh, and I like it that way. Um, there's, it's just small enough to not attract a lot of the big players, um, but there, it's big enough that there are enough players that you can wholesale really easily. And uh, it, it's a pretty competitive spot from that standpoint, but we find deals pretty well. So, so we'd like to explore that option moving forward. Um, but the two big things in the short term that we're working on next year is launching a marketing services company um, for investors. So it's going to be uh, basically a one-stop shop of running um, kind of a cold call operation along with Facebook marketing, along with content marketing, YouTube marketing, SEO, and PPC all under one service umbrella. Um, so somebody could approach us in their market. And we've already got two test clients. It's going 
okay with. And so we'll, I think we'll just slowly scale that over next year. Um, and then, yeah, trying to, trying to build a, a larger low risk rental portfolio with some of those lenders that we end up with. Um, you know, we've got some strategies where being a finance geek, we can pair a creative finance type property where whether it's seller finance subject to take over a loan um, for pretty low amount of money down, which still has some equity in it, but then pair that with um, a, a lower end C neighborhood, C plus neighborhood, blue collar working class type property in the same little portfolio group and really boost the rate of return into you know the stratosphere and decrease the risk proportionately because if the value of the leveraged property goes down the um, the cash flow from the low lower type property typically there's we're buying properties that are for good uh, working class people that have good stable jobs that if the economy goes down they're not they're not going to like downgrade out of it there's it's you're not you can't really downgrade out of it, um, but it's still a good enough neighborhood and a good enough spot that it's going to stay stable and consistent. And so you can see a lot of these neighborhoods around the country, if you do the research, it's not the bottom and it's not the top. If you look at them, the rents stayed pretty much exactly the same and sometimes even went up um, in the middle of most of the uh, the real estate recessions that we've had in the last 50 years. So, um, So pairing those together, trying to hone in that strategy, get a really a great portfolio model um, that shows a decreased risk and an increased rate of return over the long run, then we'd like to figure out how to scale that into hundreds of properties in a single portfolio and then syndicate ownership uh, of shares of that portfolio to other investors. So love that. That's exactly the same tenant base we focus on for multifamily. So it's, it's good to hear it uh, yeah. reverberated back to us. You guys are more efficient though, because you buy a hundred at once. <laughs> Learning, but they're, they all have their own context, right? So, but that's, that's incredible. So that's great, but you're exactly right. I mean, just, you will see that they just in the converse is when, when the, the market starts to rise, they, they're not the ones jumping into the eight properties either. So you, you have this insulated barrier right there. That's, that's great. That's yeah. Great. Thank you. So. so much amazing, amazing information. So let's uh let's dive a little deeper into into Adam. What oh. is your big why? Oh, uh, my kids, my family. Oh. I mean, is that you know is that the pat answer? I I'm I I'm a big advocate that I think you need a selfish why and a selfless mm-hmm. why. Um, I think it's okay to have both because. Yes. If, you know, it's, I want to build a children's hospital, but your big concern is that people are, you're, you're saying that because people are judging your why, then it's not going to get you out of bed at five in the morning. Um, you've got to have enough to get you out of bed at five in the morning. So the, the self, selfish why is I want to pick my kids up from school and I want to coach their teams and I want to yes. have the time to be able to go on, you know, little vacations and different things. But then the self list why is we want to give money away. We really enjoy, I was in a previous life, (laughs) a part of that uh, digging out of the hole. I was a missions pastor at a church for a little while. And uh, there's just so many people around the world that we're connected to at a heart level that that we, 
I'm not going to go there and fix, or I don't want to send somebody from the United States to try and fix anything. I think there's a lot of smart people there. And we just want to be able to send resources, be a monetary facilitator of, of good. And, uh, and so there's some projects. There's one in South Africa in particular called, well, it's irrelevant, but the, it, oh, it's relevant. It's, uh, what is it called? It's called pop-up. It's with a church okay. called Doxadeo. Hmm. And what they do is they take, um, they take uh, people who are living in poverty or a shanty town or a shack, have never had employment, and basically take them through a character development program first and then a skills-based training. And they have like a 99% job placement rate wow. um, with people who go through. They do little things like, you know, it, it's going to cost two or $3,000 to train this person and get them placed into a job. But they have employers around the country that are calling them and saying, anytime you have a candidate, I will hire them no matter what, because they're the best people that we hire because of the character development that takes yeah. so much time to go through. And then they also require that the person come and pay a little bit to try and participate in this program. Um, so I think it's the equivalent of like, they pay like 20 bucks um, and it costs, you know, three, two, three, four thousand dollars to send them through this program. Um, but they, you know, a, a couple thousand people a year at a 99% job placement rate in an employment environment where you're at a mm -hmm. 60 to 70% unemployment rate. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable changing people's lives and families. And so there's things like that. I'm, yeah, I'm always. I'm very entrepreneurial and so I'm always looking at how people are doing things in better ways and we'd love to contribute to that and, and we do to some different things and, and we'd love to continue to grow the opportunity to do that. So for my wife and I, it's, you know, we're, I drive a, we, we do really well, but I drive a 2002 Toyota pickup truck with 200,000 miles on it. I'm going to put, you know, 30,000 miles a year on it, run, running around doing what I do. And mm -hmm. that's just, that's not the important piece. The important piece is the people. So the selfish why and the selfless why is, you know, I want to selfishly spend time with my family and then uh, selflessly, you know, try and give as much as we're given the opportunity to. So That was an amazing, amazing story and amazing give back. Thank you for that. You know, teach, teach a person to fish. Yeah, I love it. Right, so much valuable information. We're going to ask you a few more questions and we'll let you on your way. So thank you so much because I, I really enjoyed this. Yes. Yeah. The, if you had a person sitting there with you today who was just, maybe this was the first podcast they were listening to or maybe the first you know, intro into real estate, what would be one actionable step you could give them today to, to just get themselves involved with, with investing? Something they can do right now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um. Besides the ethereal, like make yourself feel uncomfortable, just start. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good, but something, yeah, something tangible. Something practical. Um, just so our, our people don't know that we haven't, uh, we haven't gone off the air yet. No, we Adam, uh, no, no, I, a lot of pressure deep, right here. Deep thoughts by Adam Ray. Most of the time, people's barrier to entry is either time or money. And so I think it's different depending on what they have. Um, if you say money, because a lot of people are always lacking on the money, we'll say on that. Lacking on the money. Um, gosh, this is a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I... 
we'll throw you back another one and we'll come back to it. So, so find then, somebody who's willing to teach you. Good. Right. Go, and, but, but the thing is, go ask 30 people that you think that you want one, their life, like their personal life, their family life is good, two, their business and financial life, and three, potentially their spiritual life. At, go ask 30 people, would you be willing to help me? And then you ask them through the process about their life and you learn and then you pick one and, and do what they tell you to do. I mean, if, if you're trying not to recreate the wheel, you are going to learn from somebody else. But what I learned very early on is I joined some mastermind group back in the day and I went and, you know, hobnobbed with them and everybody was getting slammed at bars and throwing up and crawling home and cheating on their spouses. And I mean, just horrible, but they're making millions of dollars, right? Um, if I'm going to learn from these people, my life's probably going to turn out like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I ended up in a different group was I actually want the family life that some of these people have. And so I think it's very easy for people to to jump in and say, yeah, I want, I want those finances. I want that money. I want to know how to make this business work at what cost. And so find somebody who's done it the way that you want, not only the result in the finances, but the way in your personal life, your spiritual life and your business life, um, and see, see if they can help move you where you, where you need to go. So. Boom. Love it. There it is. There's the golden nugget. We had a couple also. seconds there. We didn't think we were going to get anything out of you. And all of a sudden, uh, we, we felt uh, Pastor Adam come out and really give us one yes. of the best things we've heard. Well, thank you. That was awesome. Yes. That was awesome. Thank, thank you. you. That's great. Wow. My pleasure. There. So we have a few more questions, and then we'll let you go. What sure. are some words that you live by? <sighs> um, man. You should have sent me these questions first. <laughs> Maybe did. I just didn't so read them. Um, fun this way. Words that I live by. You've given us a lot of great stuff. So if you want to recount on this, because we've we've had a ton. They, you know, the selfish why, not the selfish selfless why. Really? There's yeah. so Sorry, many you're breaking up. Can you say that again? No, I said you've given us a ton there. I mean, there's been so many integral points here, and uh, we really enjoyed it. The restaurant cycle. Words that I live by. Um, I don't know. I think we we run our business off the assumption that most people are inherently good. Um, and when you get screamed at by somebody on the phone, <laughs> you you know, there's it's usually has nothing to do with you. Yeah. They've got something else going on in their life. Uh, and the same is true with employees, colleagues, competitors, um, that most people are inherently good. And so make, making that assumption to assume the best of people. That's great. Um, it really allows you to put your ethics in the right place and your character in the right context so that you're never compromising because um, you're not taking often personal offense uh, to something and then trying to be vindictive back or whatever it might be. You're assuming that, you know, that had nothing to do with me. I get that and I want the best for them. I want them to be you know, doing better. I might not do business with them again, or I might not, you know, engage in a certain particular way again, um, because of how they showed me they act, they choose to act, but assuming the best on the underlying, uh, assumption of the person. That's nice. one big one. Well, again, thank you. boom. 
Yeah. <laughs> you just got to give me a second to think yeah, about it. That's it. I'm, a, I'm an ethereal thinker. So, <laughs> Well, if people want to know a bit more about you, uh, possibly get on your buyer's list, where, where's the best place to learn more or reach you? Yeah. So our website is sellmyhome.org. So you can go to www.sellmyhome.org. Um, if you want to get onto, we, uh, you can go to our investors page, which is backslash investors. Um, or you can get on our marketing think tank. We send out a quarterly kind of news. It's not a newsletter. It's more like a, um, it's more like a case study of stuff that's working for us, stuff that's not, stuff we've tested, what the results were. And then we ask for people's feedback. Um, so if you're wanting ideas or uh, are interested in the next year or two, of somebody maybe managing your online uh, or marketing strategy as an investor, we're, we're not there yet, but we're, uh, we're definitely releasing stuff and, and trying to create a conversation. So um, sellmyhome.org slash... Uh, think tank. And then, I don't know, I'm a low-key guy. Nobody ever really takes me up on it. So my cell phone is 719-421-9100. And uh, my email is adamr at sellmyhome.org. You can email me um, if you want to partner on a deal. You know, you got money. You want to buy a deal. You want to sell a deal. You want to talk about marketing. You just want to pick my brain, whatever. So... That's amazing. Everybody out there, you should use that phone number. Adam is a fantastic guy to talk to. For stopping occasionally, occasionally, I've gotten flooded and it will take me a little bit to get back to people, but I always get back. So good. <laughs> oh, you're amazing, Adam. Thank you so much for being on our show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was great to be here. Well, this is the REI Foundation podcast with Jason and Peely. Thank you again to Adam Ray for being on our show and thank you to everybody out there for listening. Bye now. Bye now. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.